Thanks, Don. Good morning. Hey, we're in the Gospel of John. Uh, that's where we're going to be for uh, a while now. And uh, we're also studying that in our classes. And I really hope you'll participate in that. I'm excited about what our classes are going to do this Sunday. I think it's a... a has the potential to be a, uh, the kind of lesson that will help you really reframe your life and really think about uh, what the Lord is at work doing uh, in your life. And I, all, all these classes are going to go back and forth with the sermons, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some things happening in John 1 today, uh, and then the classes will take another, a different part of that, a different piece of that, uh, and that's the way we're going to go for the next, uh, next couple of months. So I hope you'll, hope you'll jump in, because those things together are really going to uh, give you the opportunity to learn what's in in this gospel really, really well. All of the gospels, including the, the fourth gospel, John's gospel, uh, include stories about John the Baptist. And that may seem strange because as we look at the Christian story, as we know it, as we understand it, uh, John the Baptist is kind of like that is that last speed bump before you actually get into the story of Jesus, right? And for us, that might seem like a little bit of a minor part of the story. But John the Baptist was a big deal, y'all, okay? And in his time frame, he was a super celebrity person. He was very, very well known in the ancient world. In fact, one of the historians that we know from the uh, first century, a guy named Josephus that writes uh, different things about what was happening in the Jewish world and their interactions with the Romans during his time, he, he dedicates this uh, kind of a big, long section to some of the things that, was going on, that were going on with John. In fact, when he talks about Herod and Herod's story, Josephus has about as much to say about John uh, as he does Herod, in some ways, uh, and actually maybe more than he has to say about Jesus. Because John was a person that gained a lot of notoriety in that first century. Okay? He was somebody that was very, very well known all across that region. He drew huge crowds. Tons of people uh, came to him. And of course, we call him the Baptist. He baptized uh, many, many people uh, as a way of helping them think about uh, what it meant to dedicate their, rededicate their lives to God uh, in hopes that God would come and uh, redeem Israel, come and make them new. But there were other things that happened that he, he did too, right? Like Luke tells us that there were people that would come up often to John and he, they would ask him questions about what it meant to honor God with their lives. That there were tax collectors that would come and say, what, do, what should I do you know, if, I'm, if I want to be faithful to God? And John would reply, well, make sure you're not cheating people. Or soldiers would come up to him. We, uh, Assume some pagan soldiers, Roman soldiers, would come up to John and say, John, how can we honor the God of Israel? And he would say, uh, well, uh, make sure that you don't abuse the power that you have when you are dealing with you know, people uh, that, that you are patrolling, people that you're over. Okay? And so people would come and bring, they would bring ethical questions to John and say, what does it mean for me to be faithful in that? So John, John did some teaching. He tried to teach people what it meant uh, to live well before God. We also know that John ended up in a position, this is what eventually got him killed, is that he was a political critic. Okay? John uh, had something to say to the forces of power in his day. 
In fact, that whole story that Josephus tells, okay, outside of the Gospels, is one that's also included in uh, the Gospels, which says that John had something to say to critique Herod, okay, about his faithfulness to God, particularly in his family relationships, who he chose to marry and all that kind of stuff, okay? And John's voice in that was so clear and so loud Herod, even though he was afraid of John, and, and the Gospels say this, in fact, um, Josephus shares something about that too. He says he was so afraid of John because he felt like anything John said, the people would do. Mark, uh, Mark tells about that in his Gospels. He says that when Jesus finally came, uh, when, when he had had enough with everybody coming and testing him, okay, when, when you know, because at the end of his life, uh, Jesus had the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming and asking him questions, trying to trap him with a question about taxes or trap him, trap him with a question about the Sabbath or something like that. And when Jesus had finally had enough, the way Mark tells the story, Jesus says uh, he's, he's ready to kind of shut up all these critics. And you know what he does? He says, he doesn't do like a crazy miracle and say, ha, 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 now can you prove anything It's that? That's not what Jesus does. When he wants to shut up the people that are criticizing him, he says, tell you what, are you guys pro-John the Baptist or kind? And they're like, oh, we don't want to get into that. And they walk away. And nobody asks him any questions anymore. Now that tells you something about the significance of this character, John the Baptist, doesn't he? He had some clout. He had clout with the people. even had clout with his opponents and his critics. And John had plenty of those. Because, as the other Gospels tell us, John was a voice that was, and as often as he knew it, just spoke the truth about what he saw. And so people that came and uh, sometimes came to hear him preach ended up being called snakes and vipers. Some of those people who were so proud of their heritage were told that they didn't have anything more in their blood that made them better Jews than the rocks and the trees did. John had something truthful to say to people in those situations. In our study, though, in the Gospel of John, we get a very different picture of who John the Baptist was. Because the fourth gospel isn't interested in telling us about all his political commentary. It's not interested in telling us about his ethical teaching, even though it is important that he had some disciples who were learning from him. Doesn't tell us very much about him being a superstar who drew huge crowds. And in fact, it doesn't even have a whole lot to say about the voice of criticism that he had for those in his day. Doesn't even have all that much to say about his ministry of baptism and the things that he was doing to call the people to repentance. Fourth Gospel trains its camera onto John in a very pointed way so that it can think about what the very core, what the most important part of John's work was. It tells us what the point was for John. 
It starts off in John chapter 1. We get it very early. In fact, in the text that we had last week, in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that all through him might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And that's the identity that the fourth gospel wants to paint for who this character, John the Baptist, was. Okay, political commentator, uh, commentator pundit, okay? Uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, somebody who had ethical teachings, drew great crowds, all that kind of stuff, sure, whatever. But the real core of his identity was that he was a witness to the light. Having a sense of who you are at your core is really important, isn't it? Okay? I think most of us go through times in our lives where we're not really sure really who we are. We have to kind of try out some different things and figure it out. We kind of have to wander through some of that stuff a little bit. Because there's a lot of voices, some of them in our family, some of them in our, our schools or in our friends or in our neighborhoods. Uh, some of them just written largely in culture as a whole. There are a lot of voices that want to say something about our identity and speak to uh, the way that we understand ourselves. But, you know, you can't take any one of those for, you know, the whole truth. So part of growing up and part of maturing is that we have to fight for that understanding. One of the early things that happens in John as the story moves forward here in the first chapter, uh, down around after verse 16 and following in that section, is that there are some people that come and they, uh, they're, they're, they come with a question. And it's a really important question. They ask John, who are you? Uh, you know, maybe John should have just pulled out his driver's license and told him, you know, the, uh, uh, given him some ID. This is, my name is John, last name Baptist. You know, I don't know what, uh, the, way, uh, the way that he should have responded to that. But that, you know, the who are you question is not just that, right? It's not just the per personal identifying name and number kinds of things. What they're asking, they're asking about that, that core identity of who he really is. Who are you? And they have some ideas from their frames of reference about who he might be. They want to know which category to put John in. Are you, a, are you the prophet? Are you Elijah? Are you the Messiah himself? They're, these are not just identity questions in terms of personal ID. They are questions of identity and meaning. Who do you really understand yourself to be. John himself, when he taught, seems to have commonly used things like riddles. He said things that were sort of confusing, and sometimes you had to figure it out a little bit, right? Like there's this thing that he repeats about three or four times uh, here early in John where he says, the one, I gotta make sure I get this right, the one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And John says that about four or five times in a row. It kind of it gets re repetitive. Um, 
but it's like this riddle. Like the first time you hear it, you're like, what? What's going on there? But you know what? The real riddle for John was this question about who he was. That's the real challenge to figure out. Who are you? Are you, are you, are you the great leader that we were looking for? Are you somebody like Elijah who is going to confront these pagan powers, turn our nation back to God? Who are you? He goes back and forth with them about some different, with some different answers. And finally, the thing that he lands on, after they kind of can't figure out a good way of describing, they, he won't fit into their frames of reference. He won't fit into their categories. And so what he eventually says is very simply, he says, look, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness, trying to prepare the way for God. There are a lot of things that John was doing. There's a lot of different, um, let's say, tasks that he was accomplishing. But the thing that I see in John and the way that he communicates with them here and then later on in the gospel too, we'll come to that in a moment, is that John had this great clarity about his mission. I find clarity to be in short supply in our world. Especially in the way that we understand ourselves and our work and our mission. Have you ever seen, or seen somebody that knew all the things they had to do, but kind of lost sight of the why of the, the things that they had to do? felt like that you know it happens in it happens in all professions you know sometimes we get into places where we uh we have a lot of tasks and, and maybe we have clear sometimes we don't have clarity about that but we we know that there's a lot of stuff that's got to get done to get us from one day to the next but we can lose sight of the mission that we're being a part of right okay like i mean uh, think about a couple of fields it's just easy when you're trying to wrangle through um, what it means to get those grades in on time, or you're trying to figure out how you can get through that doggone security clearance paperwork, or when you're trying to figure out uh, what it means to wrestle with this insurance company so that the patient can get cleared for the next step they need to get healthy. It's easy in the middle of trying to make sure that we have everybody lined up for worship, we're trying to figure out the business of do we have all the, uh, the right contact information for this or that. To forget that we are about the business of helping students learn or designing a safer system or making people healthy or turning people's attention back to God. It's really easy in the middle of all the stuff that's got to get done in our lives to lose sight of the purpose 
and the mission with which that we're trying to accomplish. You feel me? Experience that? It's easy in the middle of trying to get uh, all those kids put to bed at night, trying to get another lunch served to remember the purpose in it. It's easy in the middle of all the things that make up our lives to lose sight of why we're doing it. Wouldn't it have been easy for John, in the middle of all these people with all these ethical questions, or in the middle of uh, trying to, you know, respond to people that had questions about what, 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 how they were... Mi- how they were supposed to follow this king that they had no business following, or, you know, in the middle of all the stuff that made up John's life. It would have been so easy and so tragic to lose the central purpose of why it was that he was doing it in the first place. That's why I like the way that the fourth gospel, the John, tells this story of the Baptist. I love the way that it uh, helps us focus in, not just on the peripheral things, which are pretty interesting, but on the central part of his mission itself. John seems to have somehow kept that thread really up to the front of his mind. He had a pretty clear answer to the who are you question. It may not have made sense to anybody else, but it seems like John had some clarity about it. He had some clarity about his mission too. You know, at the time that I think it would have been the easiest for John to lose that thread, we get just a little picture of it, and it's in uh, chapter 3 of John, okay? In chapter 3. And starting in, I'll say, verse 22. And our gospel tells this story about Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples uh, begin this process of, of themselves baptizing other people, okay? And the word gets back... To John, hey, there are more people and they're going over to this Jesus guy. And maybe that doesn't sound like too much of a threat to you. But I kind of get it. I kind of get how John, in that moment, might feel pretty threatened. I can at least understand how John, if he didn't have some real clarity about who he was and what he was supposed to do and about what really mattered in his life, I can see John at that moment saying, well, we got to fix that. Let's get some more flyers out. Let's get the word out. What can we do? Instead, John, John says, 
Well, let's just read it. He says a person, this is in verse 27, a person can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm, I am sent ahead of him. He goes on to say, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and full of joy when he, fe- when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. See, John's clarity of who he was and what he was doing, he knew that he wasn't the star of the show. He knew that he was a witness. That's the first thing that we heard about John in the beginning of the story, right? Is that he was, the, he, he was sent into the world as a witness to the light. He wasn't the light himself. And John tells us, the, the Gospel of John tells us that in the narrator's voice at the beginning. But I love that we get to hear it from John's own voice too here at this moment where he says essentially the same thing. I'm not the Messiah. My job was to be a witness to him. And I'm happy for him to rise and for my name to become less. I love that John owns this identity. And I love what it says to us too. We who, along with John, are sent into the world to be witnesses to Jesus. John knows that the most important thing that he'll ever do in his life is that he'll point other people to Jesus. In the story that we're going to do in class today, we're going to see the difference that that made in Jesus' own ministry with some of his disciples. And the, uh, as the story transitions and the spotlight begins to turn away from John and on to Jesus, it begins with this transition point where John looks out, um, at, uh, sees Jesus traveling, and in a couple of different occasions, he looks over and he tells everybody that's following him. Okay, you've got to um, imagine this. You can visualize this, right? right? He's, all these people are looking with him, and he says these words. It's so important. He says, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knows that at the end of the day, he's not saying, look. He's saying, look. And that his role in the world is to point other people to Jesus. Church, this is our work too. This is our identity. When people ask who we are, that's the answer for us just as much as it was for John. When we seek clarity about what it is that we're doing too, that's the answer for us. What are we here for? What are we doing here, y'all? 
There, sometimes it feels like we don't know the answer to that. What are we doing here? We're here to point people to Jesus. With all the clarity that we can muster, say, look to the light. Behold, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray together. O holy God, who sent John and who sends us, and so most importantly, who sent Jesus into the world, O God, we give you great thanks for the big story and for our small part in it. And we pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to point people towards Jesus and you, that you would move their hearts so they may become his disciples. In his name we pray, amen. Hey, if you're in that place where you're ready to turn yourself to Jesus, man, that is the thing that we hope most for you. Not that you would just turn to us, we want you to turn to Jesus. And if you're in a place where today is the day that you need to do that, uh, then we welcome you to do that while we stand and sing together.